And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Tuesday, we've already started the show. I'm not sure where you guys have been. Gary, how are you? I'm doing good. Let me take a sip of coffee here. All right. Ah, yeah, we got so much to uh, to talk about today. Yeah, we do. We have so much to talk about. What a day. What a day it was. I know. Uh, you know, I told you yesterday about this time in the pre-show meeting. I thought, I said, you know, I don't know if it's going to turn out good or bad for Trump to testify in the fraud case. You know, you you when when you put the accused on the stand... That's a huge move. Now, I know why he did it. He wanted the chance to make a statement. Uh, You know, he's uh, talking about he believes, you know, he should uh, have a a jury trial. Uh, You can point out all the things that are wrong. You and I kind of touched on it in the pre-show meeting, things we've talked about before, the way the judges come in and just basically made a prejudgment before the trial actually begins. And I thought, all right, Trump talking to the media today, um, it, you know, it's, it was, it was classic Trump. I mean, making a point over and over again. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it did any damage politically for his campaign. No, I think it may have helped. Right. Uh, And, and Andrew McCarthy said it yesterday. Uh, it, it didn't, Trump's testimony didn't hurt or help because the judge already said he's guilty. Exactly. There's nothing you can do. Right. Before the trial began, it's simply, how guilty are you? Right. But as you and I stated, number one, uh, I have real problems with that fraud law in New York. You and I were talking about it before. And we've talked about it weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago when it it first came up. So probably a lot of people heard it Uh, there. You know, when when you commit fraud, normally you look at it, you go in law. Okay. Somebody is somebody is filing a claim against you because you've harmed them by committing fraud. Right. Or the state goes after you mm-hmm. because the, you have harmed people. They have had losses or 
they didn't get gains that they expected because you committed fraud. Right. Now, what if, what if, and, 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 and this is, this is the part here that nope, that I haven't seen any legal analysis on. For example, you have criminal law, you've got civil law, you know, contractual law. Mm -hmm. Contractual law means uh, I sign a contract. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a contract. You've got a contract. We, you know, for this for this radio show, Mm -hmm. there are certain terms that we have to we have to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing. I don't believe there's anything in the contract that uh, that asked me a uh, a true or false question about my life, though, or anything to do with real estate or anything like that. Right. So I apparently have to say it's, it's either 500 feet or 500 yards from the production staff at all times. I'm not, <laughs> it's either feet or yards, but <laughs> and, and so when you, when you look at, and, and we gave the, the closest example is what they're going after Trump for is they're saying that uh, Trump overvalued in certain financial documents. He overvalued what the property was worth. Right what different properties were, were, were worth. Right. And Trump's case is, yeah, but they don't use it. That's just a piece of paper. It's not, you're not sitting there and stating this is the official appraisal from this official appraisal place, uh, signed, you know, uh, signed Donald Trump. And, uh, if this is not accurate, if this is false, well, then the deal is off. Right. Or it's not like you're signing, your tax return, where if you commit fraud on the tax return, mm-hmm. that the IRS can prosecute you for fraud because you have signed that these things are true. The evaluation of property, as everybody knows, every every Democrat listening knows this, because probably everybody at some time, if you've owned a home, have protested you know your uh, the 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 value that the county gives to your home, mm-hmm. the appraisal, mm-hmm. and you look at it and you go, no. And I went I went through the last time uh, when we talked about this that that uh, I you know protested the amount. I'll never forget it because I went through and I went, okay, my house is probably worth this. Then I went and looked and I could find comps that were a lot lower. And I go, well, I can justify it being fifty thousand dollars lower mm-hmm. than I even thought. Now, do did I actually think? That my house should be that low? No, but I thought I could prove it with the comps. Right. Right? And I don't know what the situation was with the comps. I don't know. I don't right, know. Right. Maybe somebody got murdered in those two houses, and so the value of the house went way down. Well, it could be. But that's not the information that, that I went by. I went by the information on the comps. Right. And and so I went in, and it was two to one. Mm. I lost two to one. Mm-hmm. So one of the appraisers agreed with me. The other two disagreed with me. Mm-hmm. I was amazed I got one to agree with me because it was so low. And, but, the, but the whole point is the negotiation was not to find what the true value was. They said it was here. I said it was there. There was no compromise in between where both of us agreed to it. Right. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute, but I don't believe my house could sell for that much. So I could accuse them of fraud or they could accuse me of fraud. But in real estate, all that, what what value a property is given is not, who knows? You don't, you don't know what it is. And so to file fraud on something like this with Trump, especially when you didn't have 
anyone who did any of the deals with him that was a witness for the prosecution. Mm -hmm. Nobody came forward and said, oh, yeah, we would have done this differently, so Trump did damage us in some way. Everybody was satisfied. All bills were paid. Yeah. There, There wasn't a contractual agreement that these were the final numbers before you did the deal from Trump. Right. And if it isn't accurate, well, then the deal is nixed. Right. Yeah. You know, that none of that happened. And so I thought that the most interesting thing was when Trump went on the stand. And it's tough, you know, to get a, a feel for it because, you know, somebody is describing, you know, tr- you know what Trump was. Yeah. Yeah. What what yeah. what what, uh, you know, Trump's testimony. But Trump brought it up. I think he brought it up a couple times and said, wait a minute, you know, you are, you know, you're accusing me of fraud, you know, and and one of the examples that the judge gave was Mar-a-Lago. Right. Where the judge was way off on the evaluation that he gave. Right. Then the judge had to come back later on and apologize to the lawyer for yelling at her. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, and I thought about this the other day, even before Trump testified, I said, you know, because... I was even, you know, uh, Jonathan Turley yesterday. Well, Trump's winning in the in, uh, you know, the arena of public opinion, uh, but uh, probably not going to win the case because the judge has already found And McCarthy said this. Andrew McCarthy said the same thing uh, because the judge has already found him guilty of fraud. Yeah, but what they found him guilty of what the judge did was bogus to begin with. Right. Because the judge got it wrong. And I'm thinking to myself. And they're making the case, well, it's political, whether he'll be president versus whether he'll be found guilty. And I'm thinking, what about appeals here? Because to me, there seems to be a huge hole that you can drive 50 trucks through on on the prosecution's case to begin with and the constitutionality of the law and how it's being applied here to Trump. Well, and how the judges behaved. Yes, I agree with you. I think this is, you know, one of these things where... It could easily come back. Uh, you know, it it reminds me of the Michael Flynn case. You know, and it, it it's not the judge isn't quite over the top like that, but legally the judge is. And in far too many ways, but that Mar a Lago thing was so way off. You know, when you talk about real estate in Florida, but that kind of real estate in Florida. 18 million? Are you kidding me? I think it was Donald Trump Jr. that tweeted, 18 million? Well, heck, I'll take five of them. You know, because this is what it comes down to. Uh, I saw where Elton John recently sold his home in Atlanta for more than it was, more than the asking price. It went for, there was a, there were, there was some kind of bidding war or something on it. Does that mean Elton John? If he sold it over the actual value, the appraised value of the home, or any of these celebrities, I, I brought this up before, but that's a recent example. If they sell their house over the, the appraised value, you brought up John Voight's car <laughs> for Seinfeld. I <laughs> for think Seinfeld. <laughs> if they sell it, and, and this happens quite a bit because this celebrity lived here, uh, North Lake Tahoe. Uh, Mike Love of the Beach Boys lives in a posh neighborhood right around the corner from David Coverdale, a white snake. And they've, I mean, they've got these, they're beautiful, beautiful 
houses, and they're in a very desirable part, uh, uh, Incline Village, on the north end of the lake. And uh, celebrity CEOs, and they all live there. Well, the word was, I was, we were driving around, my wife and I were driving around, kind of touring, touring Star's homes. We were actually just driving around the lake, and we stopped at a place, and a lady said, Sylvester Stallone just left with a real estate. He was here with his real estate agent looking for properties. This happens all the time. They know they can park their money. New York is one of the big, big areas that they do this. In fact, foreigners park their money all the time. Uh, Florida is another place where they park the money. They may not ever even live there at all. They'll park their money. But a celebrity can do that and then add it adds value to it because so-and-so owned this home. A guy in radio I know bought an apartment from that was owned by Joe Pesci. Actually, he got a deal on it. That's the only reason he bought it. But it was, you know, all the time we see these overinflated prices. Well, you know, the uh, that the house doubled in value. Well, did it? Or it, it, because the question would be like the recent example of Elton John. D- did he commit fraud? Well, according to prosecution in New York, it would fit that crime. Well, and it doesn't. Well, it, it, by the right. way, he did not commit fraud. It's the way the market works. If it's a bidding war, whether it's a bidding war or not, whether it's one person, if they pay more than the value, the appraised value of that home, that's between the buyer and the seller. If the seller comes in and then uh, forges documents to say the appraisal is higher now you've committed a crime, right? If if right if the if the if you said the appraiser said this and the the appraiser did not, right? Well, then yeah, you have you 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 probably have uh, a a fraudulent case. Or if it's this is the final number and this is this is the this is the official appraisal from the appraiser. If it isn't right, and you sign it, well, then the, it would be you know the contract would be. It would be canceled. The, the other side could cancel the contract or whatever, or you could claim fraud after if you found out afterwards and you found losses, but you couldn't find any losses. The other thing is when I sat there and went, wow, when Trump said, I've got the disclaimer right here. This is a disclaimer that was on all financial documents that these are the preliminary numbers. The bank does their own thing. Right. Do you want to see it? And the judge said, no, I don't want to see it now. Well, because he, and I'm just like, my God, the number. It, the number one rule in real estate, do your own due diligence. Every ad will say that. Every If you're, if you're talking about especially that kind of massive uh, 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 value on a real, real estate that Trump would own, it, you have the disclaimer in there for a reason. Because what prosecution is saying is he gained favor, favorable terms from insurance uh, companies and banks. The banks and insurance companies aren't saying that. They're not saying that. Nope. Nope. So, what favorable terms and and how can you how how can you prove that he did? Because we all know insurance rates have skyrocketed. I can't imagine what Trump pays for insurance on these properties. But if the insurance companies gave him favorable terms, my question would be, did they do their own due diligence? Because that's what any right. of th- those entities right. would be charged with doing. It's why banks have their own appraisers. Right. It's that simple. 
This is as bogus as it gets. We've all sold our homes and, or we're not sold our homes, but done things like refinance and mm-hmm. things like that. And I've been buying the, and selling homes for and, over 30 and, years. And the appraiser comes over. Yep. Yep. Here's what it's, you know, you're right. You're refinancing. He comes from the bank. And I walk they don't care through. What, they don't care what I say. When I was doing flip properties, I would walk through with the appraiser to show them what is different. I would show them before and after pictures. This is what's different. This is what we have done. This is what these floors are. This is what this uh, material is on this countertop and everything else. You walk through them so that they know and they'll make notes about it. Now, it may mean something. It may not. But you're just informing them. Is that fraud? No, it's not. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hotshot Secret, the country's number one fastest-growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number can be is 40. Through years of testing, Hotshot Secret has found the average cetane number across the nation is between 42 to 45. And most modern engines are built in tune to operate best with a cetane number closer to 50. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up, to keep the engine operating at its best while helping with fuel economy and DPF regeneration cycles. Add Hotshot Secret Everyday Diesel Treatment, a 6-in-1 fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting your fuel system. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hotshot Secret's Everyday Diesel Treatment at HotshotSecret.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting, you know. There's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. So the uh, one thing, and, and we had uh, said this from the very, very uh, uh, you know beginning when it comes to the actual uh, appraisals, and the one thing, and again, I haven't seen a lot on it. I did see the original, uh, the uh, Trump's uh, one of uh, Trump's lawyers originally talk about it, and that was the square footage of his penthouse. Remember that, right? Where he right. had signed right. a document yeah. in 1994 that it was like ten thousand. 900 square feet and then on other documents it was 30,000 uh, uh, square feet right his attorney even said his real estate guy the attorney said didn't even notice that because that's almost like stating for his entire wealth because it wasn't that he was using just that penthouse right and and right. the square footage of it that that you know for to get the loan it was just part of everything right Right. And so he goes, you know, you look at it, that's a nothing burger. That's like saying you're selling your house, you're selling your mansion, and the shed in the back mm-hmm. where the lawnmowers are, mm-hmm. you know, you say that's yeah. uh, that, that that's uh, uh, 300 feet instead of 100 square feet. Mm-hmm. But it's a nothing burger in regards to the entire amount of the the property, right, and that's what they're, you know, and that's what they're going after there. Now, there's really never been an explanation as to why, but the the document, as I said, the the one real estate lawyer said, there was just it, it was nothing. It was they were listing all of the properties that he has, right, and that's right, how right. it was being used. It wasn't that that particular uh, the whatever you call it the uh, triplex they call it I forgot mm-hmm. that that was what was securing a loan or was for insurance purposes uh, 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 only for that particular apartment. Right, right. And, and, you know, and by the way, anybody, if you're, if you're doing it, well, if I own a property, for example, mm-hmm. I own my house, I don't need a home insurance on it. You don't need what? I don't need uh, property insurance. If you own it outright. If I own it outright, right. Right, yeah. Right, so I don't know the particulars there, but as his real estate attorney said, and that was the one where you went, okay, well, that, if you look at that, what was that for? What was that? What was the purpose of that? Mm-hmm. And so there's a huge gray area there, but it wasn't just for that. It was for the all the properties. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right. The interesting thing is Trump saying that I had disclaimers for everything. And the judge yeah. saying, I don't want to see it. Yeah. It's like, oh, right. my gosh. And and I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't mm. know whether they had disclaimers, but mm-hmm. that should be something that should be easy to prove. Right. Well, and, you know, this is uh, Trump saying that, look, he should they should be doing this in front of a jury. Uh, I think he's right because you know that the the prosecution, you know where she is. But the judge, the judge's behavior so far has been, I think, um, legally far out of line. And. McCarthy, uh, you know, saying, well, it, it likely isn't going to go Trump's way on the decision. 
But yeah, where does the appeal go? As you were asking earlier. I don't know how he doesn't win this in appeals. I don't know how he doesn't win this in appeals. This whole thing uh, and the precedent that they used uh, of, of not having to show damage. They don't have to show that any party was damaged. Well, uh, that all of that. And then the Mar-a-Lago thing was just, it was absolutely bogus. It, it's very clear that this judge knows that they're out of line. Prosecution, well, from the beginning, she's been out to get Trump from day one. Well, she's I don't, I don't know if the judge believes it's out of line. Well, in having to correct and and apologize. Oh, and, oh, and oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. When he apologized to the lawyer. That's, yes, he, yes, that's he, something. Yes, yes. Because, he had to apologize, yes. And you could tell with the tone in that apology. Yes. It was like, okay, well, we'll have to, and and I'm not sure what will happen here and what will happen there. And then the uncertainty of, well, you know, let's go in and basically dismantle all of his businesses. Well, I I haven't made a decision on that. Then what are you doing? Well, I mean, here's, but here's, here's the thing that you look at when you, uh, again, first off, contractual law. Mm -hmm. Were these financial documents basically uh, under contract law? Mm. No. No. no, nobody is. Nobody has stated no, prosecution that. isn't. Prosecution that. hasn't no. made that case. No. That, no, these are these are the figures that say you know it's not like what we get from the IRS. These figures are correct, mm-hmm. you know, or you're signing here mm-hmm. under the penalty of of uh, of fraud to the federal government. Right. All right. So that, there were no forged documents either. Right. There were no. Yeah. There were no forged documents. That or we, no claim you know, of forged documents. Because, I mean, that right. would if you think uh, if if she's out to get Trump and there were forged documents. And she had access to him. We would have seen that. That would be the story, and it would be over and done by now. And we're talking forged document that, for example, they ask you know for an appraisal, and you give them, you say, "Here's the appraisal this company did," right. and it's not the appraisal that they did. And right, then that, right. at that point, that would be you know without question, uh, uh, you know, fraudulent because mm-hmm. it's not the amount, <clears throat> because the appraisal could be wrong. Mm-hmm. appraisals are wrong all the time right as, as we know it's simply the fact that you have stated that you know this this company uh you know that this appraisal company uh you know uh did the appraisal and you put in a different number than that they put in well you know what i find rich too is that you know when we go back to that whole due diligence thing but especially on the part of banks because we went through the the uh uh government-sponsored entity fallout that was 2008 and 2009 and the real estate crash. And and if you look at the products that were created as a result of that, my gosh, the NINA, the acronym stood for No Income, No Assets. I mean, you could look at that and, and by the definition here, based on what prosecution is charging them with, how much fraud went on there. Between the borrower and then the you know the banks, um, if you don't have to prove anything, if you don't have to you know if you're if if that entire setup was based on what? Well, the government's going to back it. Just process the loans, and then these government-sponsored entities will buy them off of your books. They'll take them off of your books. I mean, if you want to look at something that's based on nothing. 
We saw that over and over and over again. And this is what gets back to the, you know, banks, insurance companies, any party involved that has any consideration, whether they're setting rates or values. It is on them to do their own due diligence. There's an entire industry set up just for due diligence. And that's the standard practice in the industry, as you know. No, nobody... Nobody buys into your initial financial statement. Everything is due diligence that's done right. uh, afterwards. Right. The, the the problem here, and I think this is this is why the Wall Street Journal here, will Trump be indicted into office? <laughs> that's the, right. their lead uh, editorial. Um, you, you have, for example, there is no victim here. Right. Nobody is claiming that they're a victim. Right. No one. Right. Not anyone that Trump did business with is saying... We got ripped off by Trump on this. Right. So you have no victim. No damages. You, you have nobody nobody who was damaged by it uh, at all. You have them arguing for the most part, except for the square footage on one. You have them. But but ease, But we all know it doesn't matter what square footage you put down. You can find that out like that. Yes. That's a click of, and I'm sorry, you're wrong on that. This is what right. it is over there. Right. It's, it's not 30,000 square feet. It's. This is your property here. Boom, here it is. Right. I mean, that that's, you know, that's a two-second thing to uh, to, to do online. I had an appraiser, you know, uh, after appraising one of my properties, said the central appraisal district has it wrong. Your square footage? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually larger than they say. <laughs> and, and, so, and so nobody's been damaged. And the penalty that the prosecution wants mm-hmm. is $250 million in at least in damages or more, right? They want to fine fine him and make it so he can't do business in New York. A right. death penalty, right? And this is where you talk about all right, whether you know we always talk about uh, uh, you know looking at um, uh, unfair. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, 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 oh, uh, harsh punishment, whatever you call it, but for criminal law right but the entire thing here this is basically the death the business death penalty for trump based on no breach of contract law but a fraud law that doesn't really exist in most states well that yeah it is the business version of cruel and unusual cruel and unusual punishment right exactly you look at it and you say well what what did he well because he stated this right was it a contractual agreement was it a final contract no right was he stating something that officially was designated by an appraiser and he changed it no it was just his opinion right well and he had a disclaimer that these were all just preliminary figures that the they do their due diligence on it right now why he pulled that out today whether that has been a part of it all along i don't know mm-hmm. but when he said to told the judge here's a disclaimer that's been all Every single financial statement, the disclaimer was on it. Now that's what Trump said. I haven't heard. I haven't heard the prosecution state that that's not true. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard the judge state yesterday that was not true. Mm-hmm. And so, if that's the particular case, you got nothing, right? And yeah. I just I don't yeah. see this going up through, uh, you know, the 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 court system. And and the prosecutor saying, "I will not be bullied." Are you kidding me? Yeah. She said that yesterday. I will not be bullied. You're the one using your office to go after someone in this way strictly for political reasons. Tell me who the bully is. 
Let's hear a couple of moments here. I want to uh, play the uh, the attorney yesterday uh, after uh, lawyer uh, Alina Haba uh, after the uh, the session was done for the day. Honest, coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly? Am I being paid as an attorney, and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Ms. James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar, call the company fraudulent, and make a name for herself. She said this morning that the numbers don't lie, and they won't lie in this case. Well, Ms. James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor, and that's why you dropped out. And the numbers don't lie when President Trump runs for office in 2024. Okay, that's getting off the topic Mm -hmm. of the actual case, but we understand what she's doing there. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I mean, I I don't know where else you go in a case like this that is so empty and over-the-top blatantly politically driven. You know, we've talked about it, all the things thrown at him, you know, over the years. It would have driven me bat soup crazy. But in, you know, in a situation like this, the only thing you can do is you're going to have to, in part, fight it in the court of public opinion. And, you know, I mean, it's today when he was talking to the media, he was kind of going over points, you know, repeatedly. Uh, you know, I heard someone say, well, he seemed to be rambling. I think he was just trying to make the point that this is unprecedented. You know, he says, well, you know, I didn't have to be here, but really, actually, I did have to be here because I wanted to be here because it's that important that it is. There's no doubt he's he's using this for leverage. But tell me where he is wrong in doing so. He should be, and his lawyers should be very loud about a case like this to the American public. They should be demonstrating at every turn why cases like this are bogus. So I don't think he has any choice. You can say, well, he's only doing it. She's the one who brought the prosecution. She's the one who brought the charges. And if she's going to bring bogus charges like this with no parties making claims of any damages, and this is purely politically driven, and she's talked about it before, just like all the liberals have said, well, we're going to get them, we're going to get them, we're going to get them, and they've thrown every single thing at him. Uh, why was Trump Tower uh, triplex claimed as 30,000 square feet instead of the 11,000? He speculated because perhaps the bigger figure didn't uh, exclude other non-usable sta- space, or maybe it included the bu- building's roof to which he has access. Mm-hmm. Right, which would be usable. Which would be usable, right. right. So, you know, Not that, sure if, if it has a heliport right. on it, you know, but it would be usable in some way, yeah. Which would be, by the way, an asset. Sure. Which would be, which would add value to 
you know, value to it. But right. as his attorney said, those financial statements were being used where whether it was 30,000 feet or 11,000 feet really made no difference compared to the, all the other assets that he owned worldwide. Right. That it was nothing. It right. was, it's like it's taking the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the lawnmower shed that you have mm-hmm. that was 300 square feet or 100 square feet, and you claimed it was 300 square feet. Mm-hmm. And then for that, the penalty is the death penalty. You have to liquidate your business completely and get right. out of business in that particular right. state. Right. It just it 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 just stinks. Well, you know, it like a, like it's it's like she's a child, basically throwing this tantrum, and the judge is doing the same thing. We're going to kick you out of New York. That's basically their approach. But if he had disclaimers on every financial statement, I don't think you even need them. But right. if he had that, that's the slam dunk. Yeah. That yeah, will I would that, say so. that would get yeah. that overturned on appeal. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, you know, this is a, you know, a state law and people, well, will the Supreme Court ever get involved in it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quite possibly because it's uh, because it's still a state attempting to kill you business wise, right? By civil law, right? And you still have rights as an American citizen in the civil system too, right? Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara. Interesting uh, coming up because we're going to move on to a couple of other topics, but I got to make sure I mention Wall Street Journal was talking about the ads that the Democrat PACs were ready to run Mm. uh, about Trump and all the legal problems, and they're not running them because Mm. when they tested them in focus groups, didn't move anyone, not even independents. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Really, it's fascinating. We'll get to that coming Mm. up. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This 
is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, Wall Street Journal. Mm. Will Trump be indicted into office? And, <laughs> you know, the, the, the panic from the, the left, and we'll get some audio coming up from, from uh, that, the panic from the left over the New York Times polling just is as <laughs> gone. <laughs> Well, no, into the bizarro world well, and wait to wait to hear some of the stuff coming up here. But go ahead. Well, we've gone from everything is great. The economy is great. Biden's doing a great job. To uh, He really needs to not run. He can't beat Trump because that's what they're saying. They're looking at it going and they don't they they don't believe. He can beat Trump any longer. Axelrod, you know, yeah, he came out. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing, because. I believe what they're seeing is those polls in, in, in certain states where they're saying, my gosh, the erosion is horrible. And there's no way they know there's no way for Biden to overcome that. Right. It's not like, um, you know, there was one incident. Right. Which can all of a sudden tank your numbers and maybe they go down for a couple of months or whatever and you can recover. They know he can't. They know right now what concerns Americans. They know also that Donald Trump is no longer the opposing candidate that you can just automatically win based on the hatred for Trump. That's over. And so the polls are showing it. And they're scared. What they're saying is Biden can't win. And Trump is going to be the nominee. They know that. I don't know. You and I have been talking about it. And I've been saying, you know, if the if the numbers haven't changed by now in the primary, I don't know what would change them. You know, anything's there's still a you know slight possibility of this happening or that happening, but otherwise, Trump is going to be the nominee, and also, nothing is going to be reversed by this administration. You know, Axelrod making the point. Look, you know, this is about his age. It's about his age. It's about it. Basically, saying, and and I think that's the pressure they're trying to build. Because remember, in twenty twenty. I forget where he was, but he was campaigning on the road. And Biden said, look, I'm going to have to have somebody as a, you know, very strong and much younger VP because I'm an old guy. I'm an old guy. So we need somebody who can step in. And they were people were kind of giggling. He goes, no, I'm serious. No getting, joke. Getting back to the trials here, because I just want to focus this and we'll, we'll, we'll broaden it out. Is Mr. Trump's candidacy really being floated by his prosecutions? Check out the recent reporting on Win It Back Pack, an article in Politico last week said the group tested four TV ads focused on Mr. Trump's legal problems. Hmm. All four ads tested failed to move support away from Trump. A research memo concluded even more fascinating. Three of the commercials increased Mr. Trump's support. That's got to hurt. Two of the TV ads backfired almost across almost all demographic groups. Whoa, whoa. 
One of those was the most pointed argument tested. Quote, this was in the, in, in the commercial, I've been with Trump from the start, the narrator says, but truthfully, I don't know what happens if he's convicted while he is running. End of quote. Those TV ads never ran. No surprise. Well, now, can, as I said, now can Biden take those commercials and pay to air them? Well, that's a joke, but it fits the strategy of Mr. Biden, who was counting on a 2020 rematch nearly as much as Mr. Trump. And this could be a serious blunder. The win it back pack ads were tested among Republican primary voters, but the backfire effect was larger with respondents who identified as not very conservative. It isn't so hard to believe that some independents might agree that the prosecutions are politically motivated and unfair. Throw in this weekend Siena College New York Times poll, which shows Mr. Biden losing to Mr. Trump in five key swing states. The political reality is hard to deny. Mr. Trump's conduct uh, is often uh, lamentable, self-destructive, inexplicable, and sometimes all three. Why did he refuse to turn over those classified files? And did he, in fact, uh, uh, send uh, someone to delete Mar-a-Lago security tapes after getting a subpoena? If true, it's foolish beyond words. But Mr. Trump's antagonists, instead of trying to defeat him politically, have unleashed the criminal justice system against him in every way possible. The former president received a polling boost in April when Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg brought criminal charges that even some of Mr. Trump's fiercest critics admit are legally dubious. And we know what's going on right now. Mr. Trump's opponents thought that prosecuting him would bring him low. Instead, it is powering his candidacy as he runs as a political martyr. It is helping him in the campaign for the GOP nomination, and it could yet get him back into the White House. By the way, I I do believe that if you if you have the, the polling here with Trump, by the time you got to next year, if Trump wasn't uh, the uh, candidate for the Republicans, I believe it would be just as bad for the Democrats or even worse. Yeah. Uh, you, by the yeah. way, if you saw the uh, Trump uh, Trafalgar polling in Iowa, 44 mm-hmm. percent, if you take a couple of those people out, if it was between him and DeSantis, it might be closer in Iowa mm-hmm. if everybody else had dropped out because mm-hmm. he's only at 44. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the s- governor of Iowa uh, the other day uh, yeah. endorsing DeSantis. Yeah, I don't think that'll make a difference. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so I think, either. I think it's way overdone. But uh, if well, you, and Trump if, didn't win the primary in in Iowa or the caucuses in in Iowa no, in twenty sixteen. No. Ted Cruz won, so you know, uh, is it, he doesn't necessarily have to win Iowa uh, to get the nomination. But you know, we'll see where but, that goes. But then when you when you start looking here, I mean the 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 analysis. I mean from the left, they just they can't. They just they lie to themselves. You know, they, right. as we say, you know, the Democrats lie in every major issue, but they lie to themselves, too. Right. Uh, uh, this is uh, from uh, MSN, or is this from the, uh, from the Washington Post? MSN uh, republished it. Uh, some Democrats worry Biden's team is ignoring political warning signs. And then you get to this here. Um, of particular concern to Biden allies are indication that his support among black voters who were critical to his victory in 2020, maybe softening. Quote, people fundamentally misunderstood what black voters said in 2020, said Cliff Albright, co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund. 
The depth of support was never there. The enthusiasm was never there for Biden. We were very pragmatic. We knew he was the best chance to beat Trump. Albright said that many black voters, especially younger ones, have been disillusioned by Biden's policies, especially on student debt. His effort to forgive borrowers was overturned by the Supreme Court and his fervent support for Israel. Now, that is the biggest load of horse manure. That is uh, that is Mr. Uh, uh, Albright lying to himself <laughs> and lying to Democrats. Mm-hmm. Why aren't... If if blacks and Hispanics aren't supporting the 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 the, the uh, Biden, <laughs> easy. A lot of lot of uh, uh, blacks still live in urban areas. Mm. What's a huge problem there now that wasn't a problem before? Migrants, but more importantly, what's the biggest problem? Inflation caused by the spending. Of Democrats, I, I think there's all of that and the rise in violent crime. Violent crime, yes. You know, that, that's, crime. Yep. that's come up. So, yep. again, it gets back yep. to what we were talking about the other day and we've mentioned before. And that's, you know, our very instinct of, of being able to provide shelter, food, and and also uh, 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 protect our, ourselves and our family. And and th- all, of, all of those things right now are at risk, especially in major metro areas and urban areas. Um, and... And and there is no one seems to be addressing it. You know, the thing about New York City with Mayor Adams uh, is that his constituents are over the top fuming about what's going on with the migrants in New York City. But also, they're absolutely frightened by the massive rise in crime and violent crime. There's so much going on there, and it seems nobody is listening. But it's hilarious. Israel. Mm, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I throw that I, I got to tell you, right. I read that. I burst out laughing when yeah. I read that. Yeah. I just went, yeah, my bogus. God, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, you know, to lie, you know, to lie about the issues, mm-hmm. but now you're lying about the polling of your own party and your your party's own candidate. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just play m- more of the audio that was out there yesterday. This is top Biden uh, economic advisor, Lael uh, uh, Brainerd, yesterday uh, on, uh, where is this here? CNBC, all right? Mm-hmm. Listen to this, okay. Because they know, and they had to send everybody out yesterday because of the New York Times poll, mm-hmm. all right? So here we go. Look, if I look around the world, I don't think there's a leader out there who wouldn't rather have the economic record that President Biden has today. Really? Really? I don't know, as opposed to what? The Great Depression? All right, let's, uh, this is Democratic Representative Jared uh, Moskowitz on Biden and the dismal polling. All right, here we All go. Right. All right. Let's... So we've now heard from a handful of Democrats, from David Axelrod uh, to Congresswoman uh, Jayapal uh, to obviously Dean Phillips, who's running against Biden in the primaries, all expressing concern about Biden's run in 2024, especially after the latest poll numbers. Um, do you share those concerns? I don't share those concerns. Now, look, I think we should look at the poll. we got to get into the data, and we can figure out how we need to improve our, our messaging. Because I do think we have a messaging issue. In- 
That's an absolute lie. I mean, they're lying to themselves. That's almost the default. Right. That things are so great, we just can't get the message across that things are wonderful. People don't know how great things are. And we played the representative, uh, the... uh, Oh, I can't remember her name yesterday, who was saying the exact same thing. Basically saying that minorities are stupid. Mm-hmm. Minorities are emotional. Yeah. And they can't logically figure things out. Right. Oh, she was blasted yesterday. Yeah. Quit, quit. Just, listen, quit paying attention to, you know, prices and the rise in violent crime and the open border and all the problems that it brings. Quit paying attention to those things. Focus on the good things. Oh, we still have a better one coming up here. A load of horse, a load of elitist, uh, fake, sophisticated horse mm-hmm. manure coming up. Yeah. Eight six six ninety red eye. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. It's a common road rumor that it's impossible for one truck owner operators and even carriers with just two or three trucks to get freight direct from the source, the shipper. Yet, hard-won experience from untold numbers of owner-operators with authority disproves the notion. Search your home base area and, later, frequent freight destinations to find all the manufacturers, distributors, and other shippers in the area. Once you get that list, ask yourself if those companies know who you are and what you do. If not, you're leaving opportunities on the table. Strive to own your backyard, to build a solid foundation for the business. For many a small fleet, it's the loads outbound from home that are the bread and butter. But you can take that same approach to the destination area, identifying shippers there and getting on the phone to make sure they know who you are and what you do. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Okay, this this was my favorite yesterday from MSNBC. All right. Uh, and it was on Morning Joe. And they had John Meacham who uh, is a uh, contributor on MSNBC mm-hmm. on, uh, and on Morning Joe. And this is about Trump leading Biden in five battleground states. Okay. And like I said, this is the elitist, fake, sophisticated analysis. Huh. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. There we go. I, I don't think President Biden is being is on trial here. I, I think we are. I, I really do. I, th- I think this is a test of citizenship. It's uh, I think John just put it really well. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are not as immer- blessedly for them are not as immersed in all this as 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 most of us. But, you know, when Republicans talk, you know, criticize President Biden, it's like having someone in a burning house talking about the fire safety violations of a house that's not on fire across the street. Right. Right. And so I, I just think it requires two beats of thought. It requires saying, okay, I don't agree with, you know, 25 percent of what's going on or whatever the percentage is. But you know what? He's not going to break the law. 
He's not going to storm mm -hmm. the Capitol. And does that sound like we're lowering the bar? Maybe, but we're human beings. We have proven in the last uh, six years that we are capable of making terrible public decisions. And one of the things the founders gave us is the recognition that it's hard to get things done in this country based on their view that most of what we would want to do, we shouldn't do. And I think that yeah. we just have to take we have to take a beat here. Remember, mm -hmm. President Biden woke up this morning worried about a wider war in the Middle East in a, in, in a un, you know, most unstable region in the world involving the global economy, possible nuclear war, the most ancient religious rivalries in the world. While there's an elemental struggle reminiscent of what led to the bloodiest century uh, in history uh, unfolding in Ukraine because of the appetites yeah. of, a, of a dictator. He's got a lot to think about. <laughs> no, all right. So, number one, he admits the House is on fire. No, 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 no. The Republicans' house is on fire uh, looking at across the street at the Democrats' house. Well, he didn't phrase it that way, but OK. Yeah, he did. Was he saying the Republicans' house is on yeah, fire? Yeah, the Republicans' house is on fire uh, and looking at the Democrat house where they don't have the proper fire safety equipment, mm -hmm. but the house is not on fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he has that backwards. Yeah. And I like when he says, well, and they see 25% of what's wrong. No. What they see is, and I'm, I'm waiting for, uh, what's her name from the Wall Street Journal to write a, uh, a piece? Because she did really early on in the Biden administration saying everything is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing right now. Everything is wrong. Mm -hmm. The border. Let's yeah. let's look at everything. Inflation, number one. Yeah. Out of control. Oh, by the way, uh, Biden tweeted out yesterday that inflation is coming down. It is not coming down. The inflation rate is coming down. He continues right. to lie about that. Yeah. He had a number of tweets yesterday stating that, that yeah. the inflation inflation is not down. Inflation is up. Right. The inflation rate may be down from its peak, but inflation keeps going up way over uh, what the Fed would like at a 2% uh, rate. And everything, any percentage that you see is... For example... You saw Halloween candy, just using that because that was we talked about that the other day, up twenty seven percent in the last in in the last year. Well, any increase, for example, uh, in a, a Snickers bar, <laughs> if it goes up three percent, that's three percent on top of the twenty seven percent increase over the last you know couple of years. So it just you know the percentage doesn't matter. It's the amount that people are paying. You have inflation. You have the border that they keep claiming is secure. You have the border now coming to the cities that are hugely Democrat. You have crime uh, in, in, the, uh, in the, the, the cities out there. And you could go on and on and on and on. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So there's a uh, article in the Washington Examiner, Byron York, uh, 
on uh, the uh, the New York Times poll. And it goes, uh, three reasons that Trump is leading Biden is the name uh, of it. And uh, talking about the New York Times poll, published a story headline, Trump leads in five critical states as voters blast Biden, Times Siena poll finds. The story was based on a new survey in which voters in six key swing states, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nevada, were asked whether they supported President Joe Biden or former President Donald Trump in a 2024 matchup. The result in five of those states, all except Wisconsin, Trump led Biden. We told you some of the numbers, 11 points in Nevada, six in Georgia, five in Arizona and Michigan, four in Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, Biden led by two. The news set off panic among many Democrats. After all, the party has bet its future on Biden. It will soon be too late to take any other course. It may be too late already. But rather than focus on the Democratic freakout, but by the way, it's important to focus on the freakout. Well, you know, it, it's it's an indication of what they're thinking. Right. And it shows you that they believe they are right on all the issues, that they're right on the border, that they're right on spending more money to create inflation, mm-hmm. that they're right on on allowing, you know, the the sympathy towards terrorism and Hamas and the butchering of innocent civilians and the beheading of babies. And that's okay. It's a part of our party. It's who we are. You know, mm-hmm. it's a growing part mm-hmm. of of uh, of of the uh, of of the party. That's okay. It's okay to deny biology in the radical transgender movement. It's our right to be a misogynist and redefine women. It's okay to instill fear in the minds of individuals based on falsehoods, lies. When it comes to racism, yeah, identity. Because pop, what you yeah. do is you conjure up that fear in people's <laughs> minds, and now we're seeing people act out. Uh, but he goes through the 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 three things. He goes, uh, let's uh, actually focus on the question: Why is Trump leading Biden? Number one, things have gone to hell since Biden became president. True. <laughs> the New York Times quotes a voter in Pennsylvania who said. The world is falling apart under Biden. Why wouldn't voters think that? The economy, the border, crime, war in Ukraine, war in Israel. A lot has gone terribly wrong since Biden entered the White House. Mm. Discontent pulsates throughout the poll. With the majority of voters saying Mr. Biden's policies have personally hurt them. That's a quote, the report says. That was shown most dramatically in the responses to the very simple question, do you think Joe Biden's policies have helped you personally or hurt you personally? Pollsters then asked about Trump. Voters across all income levels felt that Mr. Biden's policies had hurt them personally. While they credited Mr. Trump's policies for helping them, the report says, The results were mere opposites. By the way, this is a quote from the actual New York Times article. I'm quoting here. This is not an analysis from uh, York. Hmm. The results were mere opposites. Voters gave Mr. Trump a 17-point advantage for having helped them and Mr. Biden an 18-point disadvantage for hurting them. 
The month-old Israel-Hamas war just further underscores a sense of things going wrong under Biden. Voters said this didn't happen under Trump. They say the same thing about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They certainly say the same thing about the disaster at the U.S.-Mexico border and about inflation, which has eaten into their standard of living. In the poll, voters said they trust Mr. Trump more in the economy by a 59 to 37 percent margin. So the reason is clear. Things have gotten worse since Trump left office and Biden became president. Biden's age. The outlet asked voters to agree or disagree with the following statement. Joe Biden is just too old to be an effective president. A decisive 71 percent agreed. That's a huge majority. When the outlet asked the same question about Trump, 38% agreed that Trump is just too old to be an effective president. On another question, 62% said they do not believe Biden has the mental sharpness to be an effective president, while 44% said the same of, as, of, of Trump. There's not much more to say about that. People see the 80-year-old Biden every day. They hear him speak. And every time they do, it reinforces their conclusion that he is too old for the job. They also see the 77-year-old Trump. But fewer conclude that he's too old to be president. That's just the way that it is. And number three, the Trump prosecutions. Reason one and reason two have to do with the way that the general electorate view Biden and Trump. Reason three has to do with the intensity of the way Republicans view Trump. The short version is that the four indictments plus a lawsuit in New York designed to destroy him financially plus lawsuits across the country intended to remove his name from the 2024 ballot, all pushed by local elected Democrats, Democratic activists, or the current Democratic administration have significantly hardened the determination of some Trump supporters to keep supporting him. So when news events occur and some less committed voters move around, the core of Trump supporters stays rock solid. There are not enough of them to elect Trump president, but they are the foundation which he has built his campaign. Well, and, you know, that's what it gets down to is that if that foundation isn't there, you can't build a a campaign. You're not going to win the nomination. And I don't know what moves that foundation. Um, You're seeing it right now, I think, in the GOP field. Mike Pence, in my opinion, never really had a shot. And and that's mainly because Mike Pence had to explain who he was. <laughs> he was just, he, he, during the Trump administration, Mike Pence was never the point. And so it wasn't going to be, uh, you weren't going to get it in, look, I'm sure on most everything I agree with the Mike Pence. But the dynamics are very clear right now in the GOP field. And if they haven't changed by now with everything being thrown at Trump, they're not going to change. I There could be something else that changes them. I don't know what that would be. And And this is where you are. And what's interesting here is what they're saying is, Trump's mental acuity is better. Think about this. Mm -hmm. The poll is saying Trump's mental acuity is much better at his age, much less of a concern 
than Biden's at his age. I think this is what the Democrats, I think this is what the freakout is all about. I think they're seeing this. I think they're they're looking at the Democratic uh, PACs that had those ads and the internals that came back on those ads. I think they're looking at this and they have all this data and it's showing disaster. And the reason it is, is because there will be no improvement. There is nothing, not one thing, that Biden can do between now and November 5th of next year. There just isn't. There's nothing he can do to turn this around. That's why they're saying it should be somebody else. Well, and the fact is inflation isn't going to go anywhere. No. It's not, inflation's not going to change the border's not going to to uh, to to change, and those are two huge things. Uh, as was uh, here in uh, Substack, who wrote this column? Oh, Glenn Reynolds wrote it. Uh, but it's not just the numbers; as a Times report, discontent pulsates throughout the poll. The survey also reveals the extent to which the multiracial and multi generational coalition. That elected Mr. Biden is fraying demographic demographic groups that backed Mr. Biden by landslide margins in 2020 are now far more closely contested as two thirds of the electorate now see the country moving in the wrong direction. Biden is hemorrhaging votes among Hispanics. His margin among women is dwarfed by opposition from men and black support for Trump is up to 22 percent a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern times. Uh, this just landed at a town hall. What the great trucking recession is warning us about the economy, something you and I have been following for a while. But trucking is a leading economic indicator. Another thing that we have been following is the fact that, and they point this out in this article at town hall. I retweeted it, by the way. I reposted it on X. And it shows that, Consumers aren't buying big ticket items. And shippers and receivers, the, the the freight companies can show you that. They're spending people are spending their money unwisely. They're spending their savings and now they're ramping up their credit cards. All of this things that we have pointed out. But when you look at the movement of freight, that is one of the key economic indicators because because it tells you the kind of things the, the types of things that we are buying and it's not big ticket items and the spending beyond your means, putting things on credit cards or having to borrow from your 401k is limited. And at that point, when it runs out, when those methods of spending or funding a spending run out, then it gets into personal debt and not being able to keep up with, uh, a number of things. So it tells us what the consumer is doing and not doing right now. And there is, I've talked to, I don't know how many people in the trucking industry in the last week and a half alone, and they've all pretty much said the same thing. It's not going to turn around like it has before in a three or six month period. The trucking rece- recession is here through 2024 at least, which means through November 5th, Election Day. And this is going to be, and if it if it's true what other analysts are saying, that we are headed for a recession, 
by the summer. Two more analysts, by the way, yesterday jumped on that and said, yes, there's no way we won't be in a recession point. Add to that in California, they're having to adjust prices because of $20 an hour minimum wage. Major fast food companies are saying, no, we're going to increase the prices. We don't know how much yet, but McDonald's and Chipotle both said officially, yep, we're increasing prices. And cutting back. Yep, you're going to have on, to. On labor. There's only, those are the only two ways you can protect that margin and stay in business. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just started reading this article that small businesses using their credit cards a lot more often. Mm. Yeah, that's not good. Right. Uh, small businesses are relying on credit card debt as inflation stings. Yeah. You know that's and you were just talking about the economy there and and I, you look. We said this to look at a poll. If I were Democrats, the 11% in Nevada would really scare me. On the other numbers, they flip-flop like that all the time. So why did Democrats panic a year out? Were they freaking out over the poll, or did the poll give them the excuse to go after, you know, like, for example, Axelrod coming out and saying he probably shouldn't run? Well, I think it's one of the indicators in a, a group of pretty strong indicators. And you go back to the Democratic PAC not running those ads because of what the internals came back on. I, you know, if yeah. if you look at the overall concern of people and where they are, I think they're doing the math and knowing Biden's not capable of turning things around. I think it's the issues. I think they know they can't get rid of inflation. Mm-hmm. They know yeah. they can't get rid of inflation. Right. They believe uh, there's probably going to be a recession. How big, but a recession by uh, next summer. They realize that Biden does not have the cognitive abilities that every time he's on there. I think if you would ask Democrats and poll them, they would probably say that the entire group of people representing the president each and every day are not believable. Yeah, that they're all out there, and well, every every everyone knows if you've got the president out there, if you have Harris out there, they're actually hurting themselves. And the White House has made that concerted effort to make sure that every single day the White House is out there promoting things that aren't believable. Well, and Corinne Jean Pierre is a joke within the yes. liberal media circles, mm-hmm. and Kirby the same thing, and they know this. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want in case you can't listen live overnight. Well, uh, election day today. A lot of states. Mm-hmm. Things are uh, uh, going on. Uh, Republicans vote today. Democrats vote tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So just yes. keep that in mind. Right. I saw someone post that on Facebook and saying, I haven't been deleted yet or I haven't been fact-checked yet. For misinformation. <laughs> for misinformation. It's been out there. That meme's been out there for, I don't know, probably 10 years they at were, least. Yeah, but they were doing it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They were a couple of years back before Elon Musk bought it. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I don't think they're taking into consideration when uh, they look at uh, how uh, people view Joe Biden uh, and that is that when you, what, 68% of Americans, and that was a couple of weeks ago, 68% believe that uh, he and uh, his family either broke the law or were corrupt, mm. did things immoral. And this all has to do with making money off your position in politics. Yeah. I think that's being very understated. They'll look and they'll go, yeah, Trump did some stuff. Yeah, but, you know, they're going after him for stuff that's just stupid. Yeah, the like I I know my dad. Now my dad does not pay as much attention as he did to the news, uh, as you know because he's older now. He's just he just doesn't at ninety seven, but he just said on the whole um, the whole classified documents. Look, you know Trump. I believe from what I we know now, made himself very vulnerable to be prosecuted. In in those cases, I think he made himself vulnerable. I Biden might have, but. You don't get anything from the Department of Justice. But I do think that there is a sense that there is a uh, a, a, a two, um, what do they call it? Um, two-tier justice two, Two-tier, system. I'm going to say mm-hmm. two-level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two-tier justice system out there. But when you look at the things that they're going after Trump for, like right now, most people would look at it and go, well, where's the victim of fraud? And it really isn't there. And there's a reason. There's a reason that... Democrats can't run an ad. Think about this in the history of all American politics. You've got four, what, four different trials coming up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the opposition can't run ads. And if they run ads, they can't run ads because if they run any of the ads, it doesn't at all erode into his popularity. And two of the ads increase his popularity. Well, and, and so, well, and, and look at, you know, I mean, the very content of the ad. So then you look at the actions here by overzealous prosecutors and the Justice Department. Which and, leads into, yes, go ahead. I and, know where you're and, going. Yep. and in 24, it's not going to play out well. There was a reason, if you think about it, it's, it, it is never, a, a great idea for the accused to take the stand on their own behalf. Most lawyers will tell you, no, 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 no. 
But politically, with what's going on, you look at it, and from a from a campaign standpoint, not just taking the stand, but also talking to the media afterward. Those were two very big leveraging points for him. And now you see it with the internals on what they were, what these ads were testing and what, what they were seeing as a result. It makes you wonder if you look at it, you know, because there's no doubt this is politically motivated. Each one of these cases is highly politically motivated. So what do you do? You're going to withdraw charges because is it going to get to the point where the state attorney general of New York could have tanked the election for Biden? Uh, So the uh, the 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 focus I was headed to, the path I was heading down is the fact of of Joe Biden. Uh, Trump is fighting and is loud and defending himself constantly. All these accusations are coming out about Biden and nothing. They don't right. defend themselves at all. Right. Oh, by the way, it came out that uh, the uh, uh, that uh, uh, the Bidens will give nothing to show that the loans were actually justified, that the loans actually occurred. Right. They would that came out yesterday that they will show nothing. They will not present any evidence that the loans that the loans uh, to uh, to James Biden or whoever uh Biden, Joe Biden apparently gave the loans out to James or whatever. You could take the back. wind out of the sails in a big way by providing that and you yes. don't do it. You'd, and, and you don't do it. And so you have constantly day in and day out. Now, now you've got the checks. The checks appear. Now, the American public knows what's going on. That's why 68 percent in the last poll showed that they believe Biden either broke the law mm. or uh, was involved in immoral uh, influence peddling, making money off of his position of vice president. Right. Uh, and afterwards, maybe becoming president of the United States, that he was using it. He was getting paid. The family was being enriched for influence peddling. American public doesn't like that. And Biden isn't fighting it. Nobody is fighting it. Nobody on that side is defending it like Trump out there yesterday saying, wait a minute, I've got the disclaimer here. I got the disclaimer. These weren't, this wasn't a contractual thing here. These were estimations about property. We've all been through that. And by the way, Americans understand that. Any American who has property understands exactly what he's talking about. And, and the, so, the only thing you've seen from the Biden camp, the most recent thing you've seen, is the piece in USA Today by Hunter Biden. And it's not on a legal, it's not on legal points. It's an emotional appeal. Hey, I'm just an addict. Don't blame anybody else for my addiction. And that's not a legal defense. They're not he's he wasn't defending anything legally in that piece. No, actually I think he took it further. He was saying that Republicans are oh, this is all about the Republicans hating addicts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That this is about yeah, him trying being to make an himself addict. a victim. Yeah. Right, that he that he's a a a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of the Republicans, which and, again is an emotional appeal, not right. a legal, uh, not a legal standpoint at all. at all. You're not trying to defend it legally at all. Mm-hmm. Where is that from the Biden camp trying mm-hmm. to defend it legally? Because if they had the evidence that it was a loan, if they could demonstrate that, 
you could take a lot of the wind out of the sails oh, from the you, GOP. You dest- you would destroy. Yep. You would if if you could if you could uh, prove that they were legit loans that were given and then filed with the IRS and everything else. It would take a tremendous amount of heat, even if it doesn't it doesn't affect the influence peddling. It still, since the Republicans are focused on it, the media would would pound on it. But the other thing that we're learning here, the media has absolutely no influence, the mainstream media anymore. You know, you sit there and you may go by and watch ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, whatever, and you're like, oh, God, I can't believe it. Well, America can't believe it either because they're not paying attention to what the media says. We said this back a couple of years ago, and we got some pushback. We said, no, if you look at it, the media can't doesn't control it anymore. They don't have control of the narrative anymore. And so uh, if you're not, you know, you, you think about, and, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know about, it's very tough to look at the American public as a whole, but the fact that the Biden family isn't uh, defending themselves, the fact that the media won't even cover it. Think about this. If almost 70% of the public knows and believes that the uh, Biden did something wrong in influence peddling and the media is not covering it, you're telling me that that 70%, which includes probably half or close to half of Democrats don't realize that the media they watch isn't covering it and aren't asking the question, why? Because this is never put out there. Why isn't the media out there every day going point by point by point like the conservative media did with Trump? Every single allegation. Well, is this true? Let's look into it. Okay, here's the allegation from Democrats. Do you ever remember once an allegation against Trump when he was president that we didn't cover and analyze? No, because there wasn't one. No. And no. I think and I think people start they they start looking at that. I think they start looking, especially independents, will look at that and say, why aren't they covering it? And then, I mean, Jim Jordan, more information coming out about more private sector groups yesterday colluding with the government to censor information. That, too. I mean, all this thing about the Democratic, the Democratic Party is for censoring. The Democratic Party doesn't believe in free speech. They believe in free speech for themselves. The Democratic Party promotes that they're against disinformation and misinformation, yet they are the biggest purveyors of it. I think when you take all of those things together, that's why the Democrats and the the president is having problems. If the Republicans could simply focus on the issues and these issues only and they would do it correctly, I think they'd win in landslide numbers. You know, another point about uh, Biden, uh, the Biden team defending him if they had the evidence think about this the gop in the house has spent a combined roughly four weeks total going back to january of this year and then the recent search for a speaker because you got to remember kevin mccarthy they didn't get in right away in january and then another couple of weeks recently So you've got the chance to come in and essentially destroy, just completely destroy everything uh, that they're bringing against you. At least take a lot of the energy out of it. With a new speaker, Mike Johnson, in place, that would do a lot of damage 
to your opponents and you don't do that? Why? I mean, right now, people aren't stupid. The Democrats think you're stupid. Well, the problem is our messaging. The problem is no. The problem is everything. Tell me what's not broken. Tell me what's working. Name something that's working. Exactly. And that's it. There's where, what do you, what do you promote? We asked this in the, um, in the primary season of 2020 for the Democrats. What do you promote that is going to improve the life of people? What did they do? Well, no, it was all about punishing, 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 regulating, regulating, mandating, 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 and then going from a very efficient and cheap and plentiful source of energy and mode of transportation to, nope, it's going to cost you and most of you won't be able to afford it. That has a long-term negative effect And these mandates aren't nothing. You couple that with recently the OEM uh, CFOs and CEOs saying, we can't do it. It's not going to happen. I think the the thing that shocked me, not where the party was going because they were were going there, but how quickly reality hit every every single issue. Yeah. And and maybe a lot of it was accelerated because of COVID. Inflation, for example, was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. accelerated by by uh, by COVID. But then everything you see, the oppression that uh, that the liberals want. Think about this. We shut down schools, didn't need to shut down schools. Right. We shut down the country. We didn't need to shut down the country as uh, we we know now. Bill Maher was arguing that with Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, yesterday. And that was that was really interesting because just seeing the look on his face, you know, Bill Maher, as he was hitting it, he's, he's just, you know, he's just like. Uh, Tyson's just looking at him like you're an idiot, mm-hmm. but he couldn't respond because Bill Maher was right. Mm-hmm. And you just think everything that happened since then made it so in this couple of year period, <laughs> everything hit the fan at the same time, right? And it and it buttresses up against reality, and that's the pro- no matter who wins in 2024, you're not going to change that, right? You're right. not going to change the fact that all these things have hit reality, and you're not going to change the fact of what will move liberalism or socialism forward will be spending more money on it, and you can't do that anymore without having immediate and drastic consequences of an increase in inflation. I think we changed fundamentally part of the instinct of humans when we sent everybody home during COVID because now people just want to be home, and it's not just because they're lazy. It's because they don't want to go out into the world with a rise in crime, violent crime. They're seeing it all around them, especially in major metro areas. They don't want to be outside their home. We told them, basically, if you breathe on someone, they could die. If they breathe on you, you could die. And you, they conjured up this fear way over the top when it really was going to be most serious for the elderly. And those with underlying conditions. Well, you change the instinct of people and that fear, I think with a lot of people, it's not just about quiet quitting. I think quiet quitting in part is, you know what? 
I'd rather be in my safe place than out in the world. It's not worth it. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And and I think it, to add to it, and this all goes back to the you know the Biden numbers and the Democrats' problem and everything else. You know, when you go back to the Hunter Biden laptop, just think about that. Just think about all the censoring and the Twitter files and everything else, and the number of of Democrats, prominent Democrats, that have abandoned the Democratic Party. You know, when you think about it, who've been severely critical. And you'd look at a Matt Taibbi, and you look at a uh, 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 Barry Weiss, and you look at a uh, Michael Schellenberger, and you look at um, uh, you look at uh, uh, so even someone like Elon Musk, mm-hmm. who was who was you know more liberal at that time. And you look at Jonathan Turley, and you look at the mayor of Dallas. You look at well, you look at the, you look at the mayor of Dallas. Yeah, I mean, you you look at uh, uh, Dershowitz, whatever. I mean, these are life. These are people that have been lifelong liberals that are rejecting it. Uh, I think you cannot underestimate the harm of what. And this was the Democrats that 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 did it, and those who hated Trump, the censoring, the rot inside of law enforcement, the two tier system of of uh, of 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 justice. And now I think it's, you know, it used to be, well, you know, uh, that uh, they could come after you, and now it's like, well, if they'll go after Trump, then I'm dead. Well, that's what legally. I was, I was, I was just thinking that because we had said that, you know, from the beginning. Look, if they'll go after Trump then they'll go after anyone. I mean, there's not a more high-profile individual on the planet in American politics, and he was high-profile long before he officially entered American politics. And now you look at the FBI agents that said, I couldn't believe I was sitting in a parking lot taking down license plate numbers for parents who just wanted to issue their grievance at a school board meeting. Because we would get, sometimes we'd get a response, oh, you guys make too much about the, you know, he's, you know, the fact that they're going after Trump, they, you know, they could go after anyone. Well, they did. And that's what people mm-hmm. see. It sticks in their mind, the rot in the top tiers at the Department of Justice and the FBI, which still exists. Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, the border's secure. The people of New York City and Chicago and, and D.C., and, of course, every border town are screaming. Well, yesterday, officials of the Department of Homeland Security assisted uh, uh, in the creation of a disinformation group at Stanford University that worked to censor the speech of Americans prior to the 2020 presidential election. Mm. New information has come out, Jim Jordan, with that. Yep. But you think about that. Everyone, you know, you think about it. It's the government using private sources to try right to take away Americans free speech rights right yep
five hours a night. And still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want in case you can't listen live overnight. Do it. That you should be listening live overnight. And, and thank you to all of our daytime listeners, our daywalkers. Thank you. I <laughs> like that. Yeah. They, uh, they're out there in the daylight hours. So it was interesting yesterday, and I can't play much of it because there's so many F words in it that, yeah. it, it, and they're not even cut out. Uh, but I want to just read some of the, the transcript yesterday, Bill Maher and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Now, Tyson, a couple of weeks ago, we had, he was on some podcast, remember that? Mm-hmm. Where he's talking about what we should do with transgender athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, we should have 10 different hormone categories for wrestling. Right. And Are you de- ten, me? and ten different uh you know and and uh have hormone things. Well, he finally admitted to Bill Maher yesterday. Well, I don't know if we should do this, I, but it's a starting point. A starting point for who? For who? I mean yeah. Well, he's making up a debate that doesn't exist. That's yeah, a great point. Yes. Because it's not whether or not we should it, it nobody's even discussing any of that. The activists aren't saying that. They're not proposing any of this he's just throwing it out there so he can appear to be somebody who is on their side well the fact of the matter is he's not on any side because you have to the the debate is very clear it's one side saying no they shouldn't be able to play uh in in uh in it with the gender that is not their birth gender and the other is, yes, we should be able to play. Well, the fact of the matter is, Neil deGrasse Tyson wants this to just be some, some kind of weird, I don't know, a fantasy thing that he's just making up. He's making up a whole other debate. Yeah, I know. He's not engaging in the actual and, debate. and then He's he, not committing to one side right. or the other. Then he, then he even admits, well, I'm not saying this could happen. So you decide to argue a point on something that you don't even believe will ever happen and isn't a possibility, but it's a good starting point. That's the coward's way out. Yes, exactly. But they started where Tyson brought up to Bill Maher, who no longer performs stand-up on college campuses, and asked Bill Maher, are you writing off an entire generation by refusing to adjust to the shift in what students find acceptable to joke about. So why is it their fault and not your fault, he said to Bill Maher. Right. Oh, man. I wish I could do the 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 passion of Bill Maher in this one because he was talking as a comedian. Yeah. Right. And he goes, he, he said, um, he said, well, literally every comedian has abandoned performing at college campuses because they can't avoid uh, offending students. He slammed Tyson for not calling out the far left's threat to free speech on campuses because this was a point that he made. And he says, quote, this is Bill Maher. I've given up on any place that doesn't even remotely attempt to believe in free speech and thinks that anything they hear that they don't like and they don't agree with is violence. These people are effing nuts and you should be calling them out, Maher. 
said to Tyson, "Right, you're doing what parents do. This is Bill Maher talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're doing what parents do. You're taking the path of least resistance and therefore hurting the kids and yourself. Parents ruin both their lives. They ruin their effing spoiled kids' lives, and they ruin their own lives because the kids rule the roost. So that's what you're doing on a national level. Tyson responded that he wanted to avoid alienating his younger audience by navigating landmines of the culture so he could still have an influence. It's not good enough to be right. You also have to be uh, 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 effective. <laughs> and <laughs> That's ridiculous. You be effective. Degrassi Tyson, a, a physicist, is saying that in order... To win young, some young people, not all, but some young people, you need to lie. Yeah, right. You need yeah, to lie. Right. Well, no, that's it. In order to appease, you tell them a lie. Right. You can't tell them your opinion. Right. You have to agree with something that you don't agree with, with them, Right. In order to bring them along because they can't handle anybody that has a differing opinion. Well, and that's it. You're what the only thing you're trying to do is appease. Why? To be accepted? Or to temper the mob? Are you afraid the mob will come after you and ruin you and your career, your livelihood? They've been known to do that. I wonder if Tyson's going to drop the transgender argument, though. Tyson suggested that competitions like track meets could be divided into hormone categories like wrestling is categorized by body weight to settle concerns about transgender men having an unfair advantage with women. So all I'm saying is, uh, what is it that makes a man a man, uh, he asked. Is it the hormones? Is it, don't you know, you're a physicist, for God's sakes. Yeah, right. It's the chromosomes. Mm -hmm. What, are you an idiot or what? You right. playing stupid now? Well, no, that's it. He's the the guy. I mean, it, it's it's almost like Bill Nye, the science guy on climate change. Throw out science. Tyson actually has credibility, education, experience in the scientific field, but still is willing to throw science to the curb. Yep. He goes, okay, if it's the hormones and you decide to give yourself a different cocktail of hormones, I'm making this up, by the way. I'm not saying it should happen this way. Then don't bring it you're, up. You're making it you're up. Making you're, it. You're, you're just pulling it out of thin air. Why are you even still talking? It, it's a way to start thinking about it. Maybe the track meet should have 10 different hormone categories. <laughs> I, You know, it's, yeah, right. Yeah. We can't get two done. We'll have ten. Right. I'm sure there will be plenty. And I'm sure. That, and by the way, I'm sure the no. activists will will fully accept that. Again, he's not even engaging in the actual conversation. No. Not even. He's pretending like he is, but he's not. He's creating his own debate. And then he's forgetting about the science. It doesn't matter how much hormones you give. Men still have an advantage muscle-wise. Right. Right. Doesn't matter whether the, the hormone fits when you're an adult. Right. 
still the advantage. Well, and, and, and those are the things that, you know, have been talked about endlessly here in the actual debate that he seems to ignore. You know, he doesn't, again, doesn't want to actually engage in the debate. It's really, I, I have to tell you, he's somebody who really has disappointed me because when I first started paying attention to him, and I don't know what it what it was, you know, I'm sure it was something about the universe. And he had such energy, and it was, he would draw you in. Mm-hmm. He would draw you in to wonder about the universe and the physics of the universe. The way and, that Carl Sagan did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Even more because he was more, he just was, to me, he was just animated. He was extremely entertaining. Yeah. And more conversational um, and and entertaining in that. Yeah. And, and to see where he has gone is just, and the thing is, you're a scientist. Yeah. And right. what you're saying is, since young people don't believe in science or they don't believe in the thing, for example, free speech. Because this is what I would have asked if, if I was Bill Maher. So are you saying, because you're telling me that I need to tailor my comedy to them, yeah. that it's up to me to go into a place that doesn't believe in free speech, where they're offended by everybody, and I need to tailor my my act to them. Are you going to tailor your science to them? Are you right. going to say something you well, don't believe in science? How how in, much in, of in, science in, are you willing to change right. and for what reasons? If I say I'm offended by your theory of uh, your uh, black hole theory, it offends me. It, it, it upsets me emotionally. I can't handle it when you talk about such things. Are you willing to change the science because I feel a different way. Now, if I were back in the day, Stephen Hawking, who finally, after 30 years, has changed his position on his black hole theory. Uh, and there was a great debate amongst his peers. That's a very different conversation. When you talk about the emotional drive that has led the left and the activists here to essentially undermine the very integrity of Title IX. That's something very different, and it is not a conversation at all. And the point being, he can talk until he's he's blue in the face with all these, well, I'm just, you know, making it up as I go along. I could be wrong. Well, the reason you're wrong is because you're not in the actual conversation, number one. And while you may think you're appeasing the activists, they want nothing to do with it. I got one talking about the Big Bang Theory. He's an atheist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an he's right. an atheist. Right? Would he change his pitch uh, to a religious group who believes that, and even religious scientists, right, who believe that the Big Bang or whatever kicked off the start of it? you know, was, you know, was a, uh, you know, uh, in, an intelligent design right. occurrence. That something happened right. before the Big Bang. Right, exactly. Right. Would right. he tailor it and say, well, your God theory has credibility? Right. That we both just share different opinions on it? Or would he be passionate 
about the fact that he's an atheist and everything. Uh, there is no God, and it happens well, this way. That's a much better uh, position, actually, an argument uh, in in terms of you know what he is saying, because faith has been around for ages. And yeah, yeah, and and just look at the word no, faith itself. No, that's a great point. Faith has been a lot. These been are around lo- longer than woke. These are yes. <laughs> these are just a few years longer. These are deeply held, closely held beliefs that have been, in fact, the basis for war for a long time because of such beliefs. And so if we're looking at it, think about that. Are you willing to, I don't know, bend your rules, what you think of how the universe works? And apply it accordingly. Because remember what he said the last time. He said, well, you know, if you wake up one day, you know, and you just think, well, I feel like a woman today. And then you you can just you can dress that way. And then the next day, maybe you don't. Maybe you feel more masculine and you dress like a man and blah, 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 blah. Like you're you're totally making it up as you you're trying to appease. You're trying to be everything in this conversation. And you don't realize you're not even in the actual. Do you think that he has realized over the last month since he did that interview that he backed himself into a corner and he's yes. trying to get out of it? Yes. Which you always do when you're only trying to appease. His only goal was trying to appease. Yeah. He wasn't actually engaging in the real conversation. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866 Red Eye. It's Friday Radio. He's Sarah Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I saw this one on Fox yesterday. An activist in the United Kingdom was left left shocked after he attempted to garner support from pro-Palestinian Muslims only to be mocked uh, by some of them. This was a transgender activist. Mm. And the pro-Palestinian Muslims did not buy what the transgender activist was selling, and he was shocked by it. <laughs> they really don't. They really don't understand. I know. What they see is, oh, what is the protest this week? Some of them just think, oh, I'm just going to jump on the liberal side. What are liberals doing? We're doing this. All right, grab a sign. Let's go. You have no understanding. Of the situation. Right. The pro-Palestinian activist said, stop talking, bro. You have black nail polish on. You're a man, bro. Stop talking. In our religion, you can't do that, another woman said. We don't agree. The, the group proceeded to demand the activist identify what religion he belonged to. What do you identify as? When the activist refused to answer and began walking away, a woman shouted, you identify as the S-word, my bro. Wow. And the transgender activist afterwards was shocked at the response. Well, (laughs) all right. A real learning moment, I guess.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As, uh, as always. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. You see where Fetterman <laughs> actually went after Gavin Newsom? Yeah. Yeah. Quit quit, uh, <laughs> quit running for president and not saying you're running for president. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody else made that point <laughs> over the weekend. It wasn't Fetterman, but it was basically all these Democrats. Maybe we touched on that Sunday night. All these Democrats that are running. I think we did. I think we played audio. All these Democrats that are actually running, but they haven't officially jumped in. Need to stop it. And now you've got other Democrats saying, no, maybe they just need to officially announce. I, where does it go? With Axelrod jumping in and a number of prominent Democrats saying, you know, um, if Biden were to not run, this would be the time to announce he's not running. But where does it go? Because I don't believe Biden is going to do that. I could be wrong. But I don't think Biden's ego is going to let him drop out. Well, he's not ready to do it right now. Otherwise, he would. Well, that's it. I mean, if, so if he's not ready now, if, when yeah, would he be? The the pressure is that's it. The pressure is at its greatest, and so you get to the beginning of the year. You know, when the the GOP primary is is running full steam, and I don't know what does someone like Axelrod say then. Let's say we hit a recession by summer, as a number of analysts have predicted, we will. And if that does happen, then what do these Democrats say? I mean, at some point, don't you have to get in line behind Biden again? Don't you have to jump and go, well, listen, uh, you know, and they're, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, there you know, we could could happen. Uh, I don't know. He could win. I don't know how you jump in enthusiastically as an axelrod after making that point that he and others have made recently that Biden should not run. I just don't, I really don't know how you do that. I guess you just say, listen, good luck. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's really, there's no, because you can't campaign. I mean, you endorse them. It's like, well, I endorse them because, uh, you know, it's it's all you got. You know, there's one apple in the fridge. It's the only thing to eat. I'm hungry. I'm okay. We're having apples. And I, but, you, um, but you're going to get that on Trump from Republicans. No, I think I think you're already kind of seeing that shape up. You know, I, I think that's you know, yeah. it's like okay, he wasn't well, my first choice, but, but he's the guy, and we can't go through Biden again. Right, right. But he's not a sitting president. No, and, and no, so no, no. you know, it's 
And and I think, you know, you you look at it and and the way that things could shape up. Man, I, from what I understand from some of the pollsters, and maybe Scott Rasmussen's people are listening, but what I understand from some of the pollsters is Trump is like three indictments away from winning. <laughs> Bring on another one. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> and but, but I I do think that part of that is and the the and and it may look it may solidify his base. Mm-hmm. But I think it's not just because you can look at Trump and 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 uh, what he did uh, with the what we know with the um, classified documents. Yeah. And you go, what the hell were you doing? You left right. yourself vulnerable here. Mm-hmm. Now, you weren't going to do anything bad with it. You're president of the United States. You're in a different level than the average person with top secret uh, uh, documents. But why did you do it? But then you can look and you can say, where's the Department of Justice on the whole Biden thing? Right where they were all over the place from his Senate years, right. and you go, nothing there. So immediately what you get is the two-tier level of justice right. system, which is which is a reality. It yeah. actually exists out there. Right. You've seen it, and you've seen what the FBI has done. You've seen what the FBI and what the the uh, the, the, the the media uh, together and, and, and Twitter with the FBI and the Department of Justice and now the whole Jim Jordan thing today about the Department of Homeland Security. Mm, yeah. And a- another facet of them trying to shut people up who they disagreed with. And, basically, and so basically weaponizing private organizations in order right. to, you know, get that done. And we saw what happened and how they acted with social media. And then the Department of Justice with everything that's going on with, with, uh, with, with Biden and the, and uh, the FBI whistleblowers and the, uh, the the FBI whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers, and they're coming forward because they're saying there's a two two uh, tier system of justice that exists out there. That's really what they're saying. And so you you go all the way back to uh, the IRS under Obama mm-hmm. with Lois Lerner. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Well, and, and, and remember and, it was well, no, it was just two rogue agents. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And and so. You saw that, and and maybe that was the beginning. And you and I asked the question at the time, is it a conspiracy or is it a culture? Because a culture is even worse. And I, Because a culture means you don't need to communicate the words just out. It's the mindset. Yeah, you just, you just do whatever you wish to do. But the rot and the stink inside of the Department of Justice and, and the higher echelon of the, of, of the FBI, when you think about it, still today not answering you know, any type of questions claiming that, oh, we are perfectly, perfectly fair. Right. And, and no, we don't do anything by politics. Everyone knows, and I'm not talking about the rank and file agents out there. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you look in the news, you'll see a number of Democrats that have been hit and they're being hit by, you know, that's the feds in certain particular areas. So there are people still doing their job. Yeah. Right. Uh, out there. But we're talking about the upper management of the Department of Justice, which includes the FBI, the Department of Home, or the, the, and in the Department of Homeland Security under Mayorkas, mm-hmm. these people are just out and outright lying to the right. American public right. as to what's what's going on and doing everything they possibly can to try to control the population and the information that they have that they have seen 
uh, over the last, you know, six, seven years in this country. But the fact is they didn't succeed. They didn't, right. keep, they didn't yeah. keep the information from the American public. They can't keep the information away from the American public unless we become like a China, excuse me, not even a China, uh, and not even an Iran, because from my long discussions with my old friend from Iran, you know, and she told me, she goes, we know exactly, we know everything that's going on. We know what's going on. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. hate America. We know what America is. We know our, I'll never forget her, her quote to me. Our problem, our stupid government, and our stupid religion. Mm-hmm. And she's an American citizen now. Mm. But uh, she realized complete, and she was 18 when she left. Mm. She had a very short span. I don't know what the immigration law was, but a very short span to make a decision to come to, to the United States. And her grandparents lived here. She'd never met them. Mm. But she left her family, yeah. knowing that she went back a couple times. But I don't know if she would, I think that, once she became an American citizen, she wasn't going to go back anymore. Right. So, I mean, those are huge decisions that people that people make. But she said, we knew. We knew because the right. Internet's there. Right. North Korea, you may not know. And, and you know, if you talk about some of these, you know, there's Saudi Arabia, you know, who mm-hmm. knows, mm-hmm. you know, how strict, it, you know, how strict it is. But Saudi Arabia, I mean, everything you see out of Saudi Arabia except of the, 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 the murder of the journalist. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have been following it the last 15 years, and the message you're sending is we've got to diversify as an economy. Mm-hmm. And that means if we diversify as an economy, part of that's because the United States and the ability we have to pump oil, but we're idiots over here, and we elect people who say, oh, no, let's get it from other countries. Let's not pump it here. Right. Let's kill American jobs and do it. Uh-huh, that sounds like a great idea. Exactly. But, you know, yeah, let's rely let's, on the rest of the world. And, and uh, we got wind and solar that can run 24-7 no matter what. Um, And, hey, you know, if you can convince somebody that biology isn't real, then you can convince them of anything. Well, Kirby, as we know. On, on, you know, not, uh, uh, not enforcing uh, the embargo on Iran. Well, you know, supply and demand. Yeah, he admitted it. Republicans should have picked up on that. They really, that really should have did. been that should have been because it is unbelievable how much the Biden administration delivers to you every single day yeah. where you can just all you have to do is point. But, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up Saudi Arabia. They realized, look, this would mean a cultural shift. That's this good. would mean we would have to be more open as a culture because if we're going to produce other goods and provide other services and go beyond oil you've got to trade then you're going to then you're going to have there's going to have right. to be that cooperation and there has to be that acceptance of other on co- both sides of other cultures yep. right you have you have to have and there was an acknowledgement 15 years ago right that was actually coming from the saudi government it's like right. okay they realize what they have to do, and then the murder happened. Right of was Khashoggi. Khashoggi, yeah. and then then yeah. then everything stopped at that particular yeah. at, at that point. But that's a direction I was reading. I was reading. Uh, I didn't actually read the article. I just saw the headline that mm. said, um, "You know, uh, a peace deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia is is not over, but you have to destroy Hamas." And yeah, that was interesting right. to read. Yeah, I didn't right. read the. I just read the headline of the article. I have to read that. It just mm-hmm. popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 right now. But um, uh, yeah, it's um, when you look at 
I forgot where we were. Where we were? What was our discussion on? Well, I mean, <laughs> we, we jumped from one to another, and I forgot the original tag. Well, I mean, just looking at 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 right now, and I, and I would add to that with with uh, with Saudi Arabia and and any peace deal with with Israel, it, it they're in the position that everybody else is in the world. You're going to have to decide whether you stand with the radicals or not. You know, and so it, you know, ultimately, though, uh, you look at, at how this election is shaping up and and where things are right now. We're less than a year away. It is, in fact, what, 52 weeks from today? Yeah. And nothing's going to change for the Democrats. Except maybe a candidate. I'll be surprised if that happens. I'll be surprised if that happens. I don't believe Joe's ego is going to let him do that. He's just fine. Leave me alone. You kids get out of my yard. You know, I mean, and think about how defiant he is. He's defiant on every level. We talked about this earlier with the media. The media just wants their talking points. Come on, you're a liberal administration. Give us our talking points. We can deliver our talking points to our audience and followers, and we can be done here. And they wouldn't do that. There has been that defiance all along, and it runs throughout the staff and administration. And they ignore the truth. They defy reality at every turn. And the liberal media is scratching their heads. Where are our talking points? Well, I wonder if that's part of the panic from the Democrats is that they finally have come to the real. Because they really don't they really don't accept reality well. No, they don't. You know, and, no. and, and we went through the number of Democrats that talked about, you know, why Biden isn't polling good. Oh, the yeah. messaging is is uh, is is wrong. Oh, the yeah. economy's doing great. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. Oh, Democrats and and blacks they make judgments by feelings and not facts. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you just said you just called blacks, minorities, and Democrats stupid. Yeah, they yeah. they they can't right. they can't, they can't do any critical thinking, and therefore they don't even know how great they have it. I mean, it's just they they don't even come to the the realization of of you know what's going going on at least publicly right but privately yeah. i wonder if part of this panic with the whole new york times is the fact that we can't do anything about biden we can't do anything about the issues where the democrats have taken a stand i know uh, roy uh tahara and uh, uh oh i forgot the other guy uh but uh, uh is a, a he's a uh, author who has looked at the democratic party and says you're doing everything wrong they have a new book out, you know, basically where Democrats have gone wrong mm-hmm. and said, uh, you know, they've got to they, they've got to be about equal opportunity and drop identity politics. Well, you can say that, but they can't do that. Right. That, that book is out, by the way. Uh, and that states identity politics has to go. You cannot you can talk about equal opportunity, but identity politics is killing you. And again, we've said this, the whole Hamas celebration, the whole. Uh, eradicate Israel that we're seeing on college campuses, kill Jews that we're seeing on 
college campuses today. It all comes from identity politics that the Democrats embrace. Now, maybe not to the point of killing Jews for all of them, but for a portion, it is, and the polling shows, young people understand it's a genocide and believe it's acceptable. Well, And, and I'm telling is, you, they're Democrats, they're not Republicans. And as we pointed out, there is no middle ground. No. Because that's, it, it's very clear. It's one or the other. You're either supporting Hamas or you're supporting Israel. You, if you support Hamas, you support everything they did and you encourage them to keep doing it. And there is no middle ground. That's This is what we have said for the rank and file. You're going to have to clearly separate yourself if you're going to be active in this discussion if you don't support the slaughter of Jews uh, as, as, the, as Hamas has done. And will do again if given a chance. 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Once a roadside inspection is completed, the officer will close it out, which involves the officer writing or typing up the report. The more the officer found during the inspection, the longer this will take. If violations were discovered, most officers, as a courtesy, will explain the violations to the driver. If there were any out-of-service violations, the officer will normally explain what must be done to get the out-of-service order lifted. Drivers need to be very attentive during this part of the inspection. The driver also needs to read and understand the complete inspection report. After receiving the inspection report, the driver has 24 hours to get the roadside inspection report to the motor carrier. If the driver will not be returning to a company facility within the next 24 hours, the driver needs to know to get it on the way to you via email, mail, or fax within 24 hours. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harney, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we you talk about uh, you know the election coming up and the problems for uh, for for Democrats. We talk about economic things. Yeah, uh, this was really interesting. The New York Post had this: foot traffic in New York City's business districts is still down thirty three percent from what it was before the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm. Yeah, one of the lowest recovery rates in the country. A new survey reveals the University of Toronto's. Analysis measured the number of visitors, including shoppers and tourists, plus residents and workers in the so-called downtown or business tourist districts in major cities across the United States and Canada. Wow.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yes, we're reading this article from the New York Post. Midtown and lower Manhattan foot traffic down 33%, one of the worst post-COVID rates in the United States. The University of Toronto's analysis measured the number of visitors, including shoppers and tourists, plus residents and workers in the so-called downtown or business tourist districts in major cities across the United States and Canada. Lower Manhattan, including the Wall Street Financial District and Midtown, featuring Times Square, were considered for the Big Apple's downtown district for the study. Researchers measured foot traffic through mobile phone presence, comparing March to uh, mid-June in 2023 and the same period in 2019. New York's 66% recovery rate was ranked 54th out of 66 cities surveyed. Um. Talk about the fact that still the the congestion pricing is proposal is still, still there. on the table. Yes, that oh my gosh, uh, that would uh, plan to charge drivers in certain city zones to try to discourage vehicles. As one comment, you see nobody walking after dark. Yeah, Democratic City yeah. Councilman uh, Keith Powers, who represents Midtown East and West. And Times Square said the city needs to create more housing in the area to make up for the loss of office space and workers. We've made steady progress in getting people back to Midtown, but we need to be forward thinking about the future and recognize changes to the workplace. One of our strategies is rezoning Midtown South to incentivize more housing and create a 24-7 neighborhood. Uh, Vegas ranked first. Having 103% of foot traffic, or 3% more, from pre-pandemic. The gambling mecca was the only city to have more foot traffic than before the COVID-19 outbreak. A researcher for the study suggested that the societal shift to remote office work has caused a dramatic drop in foot traffic in New York's business districts. We've been tracking since early 2022. New York was an early comeback story, but then stalled. Part of this is due to commercial office tenants gradually giving up their leases. The researcher did note that unlike er uh, earlier studies, her project excluded Hudson Yards because it's not traditionally considered part of Manhattan. Other major cities that recovered most or considerably more foot traffic from the pre-pandemic period compared to the Big Apple included Miami, 92%, 92%, Nashville, 88%, Atlanta, 85%, Los Angeles, 83%, and San Diego, 80%. Chicago's foot traffic was just 61% of what it was before the pandemic. So Chicago actually worse than New York. The recovery rates for Seattle and Minneapolis, 60%. 40% loss. Yeah. San Francisco's recovery rate, nearly identical to New York City's, 67%. There's a number of things, uh, you know, that that influences certainly the number of people that um, and number of office spaces now that are empty, but also the rise in crime. 
and the fact that people are getting away with crime on the street. We saw, we, we've seen that play, play out in major metro areas, and San Francisco is a key example. New York is no different. Nobody's on the street after dark, they said. There's a reason for that. Because people fear being out there right now vulnerable. They don't want their family members out there. And at some point, it's it's not safe enough to stay. And you're going to I think you're going to continue to see this. I think it's only in part because of the shift to work from home or whatever it is. I I think it has to do with uh, a number of things. Violent crime. People working from home, but also the huge increase in commercial real estate rent. That's something that's been driving a number of businesses. You and I talked about it with uh, different restaurants here in our state, even. Where you can't, uh, the, the rents have skyrocketed and all your profit is gone. Well, all of this combines uh, basically adds up to a you know a situation with I, I think what we have seen in the past urban blight we talked about this we talked about this at the very beginning stage of covid and we're seeing it play out you know i look at uh just i, I wanted to check because i have all the 66 major metro areas uh dallas was at 70 percent mm-hmm. which means 30 percent traffic less right have to ask the question, is that one of the reasons that the mayor became a Republican? Could be. It could be. And those are the things that, you know, I think one yeah, of the yeah. one of the things that, you know, the effects of COVID is that people, I think a lot of people decided, I don't want to live in such a congested area with so many people. But also the rise in crime, of course, adds to that. The rise in violent crime on the streets, it's like, okay. Um, I may not be afraid of COVID any longer, but the rise in crime, uh, uh, rents going up in those areas, the fact that businesses are no longer there means these support businesses like restaurants and other stores, you know, it, it... for a long time was the case that those businesses would thrive. A restaurant would thrive in a district like that from basically breakfast up until dinner at right after work. And that's part of that economy. Well, if those people aren't there, if that foot traffic isn't there, they're gone too. We're seeing this play out in a real way that is not going to be reversed anytime soon. And then you see the one council person saying, well, what we need to do is we need to bring more homes in. What, affordable homes? Well, you and I talked about this. Because the whole point is Uh you're talking about where there's massive inflation. Right. Where there's massive inflation is a lot of the downtown areas. Well, and this is what we have talked about in the past. 
in liberal when, states. When you when you talk about very congested areas where there is a higher concentration of people, there's a higher rate of crime. Just pure math dictates that. Well, those who can afford to leave, leave. And then what happens? Then you start to lower the rent. Well, then you have a situation where, all right, it's a less desirable place to live. I don't know how many times we've seen this play out. And urban blight is a very real thing. We're seeing the very beginning stages of it. But the problem is, once it hits a tipping point, you can't turn it around. Because in the past, it would be a city council person coming out and saying, we need more business investment in these areas. Well, they know right now that's not going to happen. It's quite the opposite. You look at the bottom and you, you you look and you say, where were the massive riots in the in 2020? Mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah. 53 was last place. 53% of the almost lost half their foot traffic. Uh, Minneapolis, 56%. Mm-hmm. Seattle, 57%. Portland, 61%. Chicago, 61%. Wow. And there's, n- there's nothing that will... In, in a generation, turn that around in a big way. St. Louis has been problematic for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had relatives that lived there for several years. They loved the area, but they avoided St. Louis proper. How do you do any type of urban planning of what your city is going to look like in 50, 60 years? And everybody does those. Everybody does yeah, that oh, planning. Sure. Everyone does you, it. You have to. You have to, exactly. How do you plan for this, I, I, you know, I because you, the first thing I would think of, and again, I'm not an urban planner, but I would the first thing that came to my mind when I saw the council person in New York saying, "Okay, well, we need to make we need to put a lot more housing uh, in these downtown areas." Really, affordable housing or rich housing? What do you? I mean, I don't, can how you, do you can, draw can you, people to those zones? Right? Can, can can you sell either? Right. Right now, in those cities. Well, if you don't feel safe and you don't feel your family is safe because of rising crime. And, and also you you don't have the, you know, you, if you don't have uh, grocery stores and businesses and everything else that you want in your neighborhood. If those aren't there, then where's the draw? Because typically, and I'm not an urban planner either, but typically what do we start to, when there's an erosion in a zone in a city, they say we need more business investment well do they know now that that's not going to right now at least for the time being it's it's not going to be desirable because you just simply you don't have the foot traffic you don't have local leaders doing something about the crime we asked this about seattle with the whole chad thing what about those businesses what are the locals saying well, they were screaming, do something about this. Nope, it's the summer of love. And that's what you get. The calling for to, to defund the police was real. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, they may have hit the brakes on that, but what makes me think they won't do it again? 
And at the very least, you don't have now a situation where people want to serve on a police force. It's it's like pulling teeth to get people into those jobs. One of my favorite, uh, as I said, YouTube channels is, uh, and, and he's a guy involved in, you know, selling apartments and, you know, renting apartments in mm-hmm. New York City, Cash Jordan. And fascinating to watch because I love watching where other people live or mm-hmm. I'm never going to live, but right. it's interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know, how they go through it. I was the, you know, I've been to Manhattan a couple of times and I'm always amazed when I'm there. You know, I, mean, I haven't been there since 2002. And I was always amazed though. Always yeah. amazed like, wow live there wow they live right. mm-hmm. they live up there wow and they jog and they do you know this is their normal evening activities and it's so foreign to me that i'm fascinated by it so i'm fascinated by you know the the kind of program that he does showing all these different apartments from you know 200 million dollar apartments for sale you know way up in the big skyscrapers up there to something that's 100 square feet mm-hmm. and but i'm telling you the last year especially the last six months He's doing programs on how horrible it is right there to live in New right. York City right now. Well, with the those problems that they're facing. And I never thought I'd see that from him. And it's just like, hey, this is the reality of what's going on. On, on the upper side of that, on the high end of that, you have a lot of those apartments and townhouses go empty. Billionaires buy them for an investment and never live in them. Vice did a piece on this. And there was a lady who who lied about being a billionaire so she could be shown these huge high-rise apartments and townhouses. And then she wrote this scathing piece. How dare they own this and they don't use it and they're going unused. But that's been going on for a long, long time. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we we talked about the states that are going to be expanding over the next 75 years. And, you know, you you look at when they say that uh, Texas will be 97 million people Mm. and Dallas-Fort Worth will be 35 million people. We're at 7-something right now, Mm -hmm. 7.7, something like that, a million people in North Texas, in the North Texas area. And it'll be 35 million. And you just say, all right. There's always going to be planning here for the future then. And you see it with the construction here. You can tell this is a growing place. Right. And I, you know, I live here, so I see it. You know, you go anywhere, you drive anywhere, and you'll see the, you know, you'll see the construction happening. <laughs> Just on the roads, you can't get anywhere. We are constantly. Yeah. The roads, the construction crews are always on the road. Not yeah. just during the summer, always. Yep. On the road. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and but you you look at it and you say, okay, you know that it for the most part in Texas they're going to have to be concerned about okay infrastructure, sewer systems, electricity, the grid, uh, you know zoning, everything else. You know that's going to happen. What about in these other cities that are dying? I don't well, know what. Yeah, what is the future? You're really in uncharted territory here. I think so. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker, although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.